Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, welcome to another version of Bill Roden in Sports. Happy to be here in studio in an undisclosed location. Uh-oh. Hey, I know. I know it's shit, man, because you and the Bate, I said, man, I better come in the studio, hey, man. man. You guys, you know. Put the but, pressure on you. Yeah, man. You know. Okay. Anyway, but listen, you're here, uh, here in studio uh, with uh, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's happening? Good to be here, as usual. We're all in studio together, like you said. Um, you know, yeah. look, it's a good day. Yes, as they it's say. a great day. And of course, here with the equally great Nabate Isles, uh, uh, trumpeter, premier, you know, whatever, whatever. Nabate, <laughs> what's, uh, what's happening? My pleasure to be here. Uh, uh, everything's great. And uh, waiting for this weather to get warmer, you know, just <laughs> little by little. Actually, we should go to Orlando, which brings us up to our, <laughs> our guest. We have a great, 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 great guest, uh, uh, Kevin Tiller. I'm pronouncing that right, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> yeah. No, no, man. Uh, Kevin Tiller II. Yes. Well, you go tell us about that. But really, man, it's really, I'm so happy you're here, man. This is really great. It's been a while, finally, for this to materialize. You know, but uh, uh, Kevin is a player development coordinator for the hot Orlando Magic uh, in town. They'll be playing the Knicks uh, t- uh, Tuesday, but uh, coming off fresh, a spanking of the Toronto uh, Raptors in Toronto. Mm. But anyway, uh, Kevin, thanks so much for coming. This is really, really very special to have you on the show. So welcome. Thank you all. Thank you all. Yeah. Just tell us, first of all, man, before we get into player development, that kind of stuff, let's just talk brass tacks basketball. Man, Orlando is hot, man. You guys have won, I think, what, six or seven? Yes. Six your last seven. So how's it looking, man? You guys go to Toronto, spank Toronto. Um, Easy W with the Knicks. I know I should. The Knicks beat San Antonio yeah, last yeah. night. Yeah. Surprisingly, so. yeah. Well, San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. But to tell tell us what 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 what's it been like on a young team like this when you guys are so hot are so hot. Yeah, it's been fun. You know, we we're in the playoff race. You know, it's between us, Detroit, Charlotte, Miami. Um, so right now, you know, every game is basically a playoff game. So. Right. Uh, tomorrow we have the Knicks, and then we play the play the, the, the five-headed monsters and go to state at home next mm. week. So you really, you play go out there at home. Oh well. So you know, yeah, Magic Kingdom. Exactly. You know, <laughs> anything goes. But uh, no, yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting. There's a buzz around the city. Buzz with the team. Team comes in prepared, and and they're all excited too. You know, we've been behind our um, Nikola Vucevic, who's our All Star this year, and he's right. been playing really well. And um, other guys around him have, have stepped up as well. Now, talk about Vooch, like uh, how he's really mature, especially on the defensive end. He's been he's highly been improved on that end because that was always, you know, the the weakness of his game. But uh, talk about how he's become more complete as a player. Yeah, so you know the maturity in his game and just kind of finding his niche, you know, and uh, being comfortable. I think a lot with a lot of these players being in a situation where they're comfortable, and this year he feels comfortable. You know, first year coach, you know they. You know, gelled well this mm. year. Mm-hmm. And so he's having a career year. You know, he made the All-Star team, which was a dream of his. And uh, we went to All-Star together, and, and he had a fantastic time of being around other guys and, and learning how they prepare. Um, but he's been our leader, you know, on and off the court. You know, we've kind of followed his lead, and he, he's made big shots. You know, he's impacted the game both, like you said, defensively, but offensively for sure, um, getting rebounds, 
mid-range hitting threes. Um, you know, he's, he's a mismatch. You got to guard him on the perimeter. So um, a lot of times we'll have five guys on the court that can shoot. And when your big man can shoot at seven foot, you know, at a high clip, you know, that helps, you know, make your team more versatile for sure. Well, you, met, you mentioned, you know, you're in a playoff race. Did you expect to be here? At, you know, because you guys have a young team. Uh, you drafted uh, Mo Bamba in the, in the past draft. He's, uh, he's obviously out. I don't know. For, how long is he out? He's out indefinitely as Indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So he's probably out for the rest of the season, most P- likely. Potentially. So, so all these young guys on the team, no one really knew what to expect. Are you surprised to be within, you know, within a game of the playoffs? Well, we, we have a really good coach, and so we knew in this year we'd be competitive. You know, uh, Coach Clifford has said since day one we're a playoff team. You know, so we've been really we, – we, our goal was to be competitive and, 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 and limit the mistakes and, and do things such as, you know, gang rebound as a team defensively, um, close out, you know, defensively. You know, things – little knickknacks that could help, you know, translate wins and losses. So instead of losing by eight or by four, you know, you win those games by, you know, six or five um, against good teams. So, um, honestly, with, with his leadership and, you know, he's very competitive, you know, very demanding. But our, our players have responded, you know, and, and – you know, like I said, Busevich has played well. Aaron Gordon has played well. Jonathan Isaac has stepped up. Evan Fournier and DJ Augustin, who's um, short in stature, but he's tough. He's competitive and right. he's led, led our led our group. Yes, yeah, you, you mentioned Gordon. He's going to be on the show a little later on uh, to talk about this. But let me ask you a question. You know, as a player development coordinator, a guy like Bomba, young player, you know, top draft pick, wants to play. Uh, all of a sudden, he's injured. It's probably maybe one of the first times in his young career that he couldn't play. So, how what what role do you play? I mean, it's just in talking to him and talking him kind of through this because these are one of the, these are things that come up, right? That you gotta you you're playing and you're now all of a sudden you're making a playoff run. You're not playing. What what? How does your role come in and talking to him and just you know? Yeah. So with with Mo, he he gets a chance to kind of learn in a in a classroom setting. You know, he can sit around and, and watch practices. Um, and he can watch the games differently, you know, instead of playing. And so with my role, just keep him encouraged, you know, talking to him, getting, you know, and, and finding other ways to kind of develop. And, and so he can't necessarily, maybe he's not practicing, but he can learn, you know, the ins and outs of, our, you know, offensive scheme, defensive schemes, you know, because as you get older and as you get better, the game becomes more mental than physical. So for him, he has such great physical gifts. Um, but you change, changing that game into more mental will help him in the long run, you know, and then he can be able to use both his physical and mental to be a you know, outstanding player for us. It seems like he's pretty evenly balanced. Yeah, I mean, that's from the outside. That's what it seems like. And Jamal and I, we talking about to the say the least. Yeah, is that, is that pretty <laughs> much, that pretty much how, how he is? In Harlem too. Harlem. And from Harlem. Yeah, Harlem from Harlem. Yeah. Harlem. Mm-hmm. Mo's a unique kid. Um, you know, he's very intellectual, a thinker, um, reader. He asks a lot of questions. Um, the one thing I like about Mo is that he's his own man, is that he, he, you know, he stands on his own two feet and, you know, does what he wants to do in terms of um, not getting swayed by the group. Um, and so that's what I love about Mo. But Mo's still, you know, young. Mo's only 20. So wow. he still wants to be a kid. He still will joke, laugh. You know, sometimes he says, what's up, girl? Just to be funny, you know, just have fun with him. You know, just <laughs> kind of picking with me. But, uh, you know, he, he, he's a great kid, and I love him both. Mm-hmm. On, on the Mo Bomb, staying with Mo Bamba, you, you know, you mentioned he's, you know, in, he's an intellectual um, and he asks a lot of questions, very smart kid. For As far as basketball is concerned, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I've seen him even lament the fact that some people uh, use his intelligence or basketball people, you, you know, tried to hold his intelligence against him 
and say, hey, you know, he has all this other stuff on his right, mind. Is, right, gonna, is right. he really going to be able to focus? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think he gets a bad knock for, you know. Being like, smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, son. Oh, that reading stuff. Come on. Put that book down. What's wrong with you? Is having that a playbook? A, having a mind of his own, you know? What are we in our slaves, huh? <laughs> Who drafted this guy? Man, we got a problem. We got a problem here. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> like I said, he gets, he gets, a, he gets a bad rap. Uh, Mo's as competitive as anyone, and he loves the game of basketball, you know, from New York kid. So basketball's kind of in his blood, you know. So uh, we're, we're fortunate to have him. Um, you know, guy, guy that has, you know, immense potential to be great in this league with his length, with his, you know, intellectual, with his ability to block shots. He can shoot better than people, you know, think. Um, so his game will continue to evolve. And I think, you know, this time period now, he can learn the game and watch, you know, how our vets do in competitive games, especially pushing for the playoffs. The acquisition, the acquisition of Markel Fultz. Mm. Uh, now, the upside that he still has a lot of upside for sure. Um, and, and with you working with player development and helping players uh, like off the court, being able to deal with the rigors and, and the stress of being a professional athlete, talk about you know, how your relationship with Markel will grow and how that will help him be able to live up to that potential being that first pick overall. Yeah, for sure. So uh, myself and, and our director Becky Bonner, we, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get to we'll spend time with them. But the first thing with all these athletes I've learned in this role is to build trust first. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like with all of us, you know, when you meet somebody, you want to build trust. You know, especially if they're going to be that much into your life. And so, you know, meeting a kid who's still young, you know, he's still young. I know these some of these guys get money, and, it, and their <laughs> age goes from twenty to thirty. Right? <laughs> right. Um, but he's still he's still a kid. But just the brief interactions I've had with him, he's fun. He's he's looking to you know to have fun in Orlando. He knows some of our guys already from AU, just different you know walks of life through basketball. So, like I said, myself and Becky Barnett, we'll we'll do a good job, kind of putting our arms around him, kind of letting him know he has support here. Um, you know, we're looking forward to, you know, seeing him flourish. And I think, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that the kid will flourish in due time. But right now he's uh, still re rehabilitating, you know, so he's just taking his time with that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, eventually we'll go to the next stage of his uh, progression. You expect him to play yeah, this year? That's what I was about. Mm -hmm. um, not sure. Don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, up to the doctors at that point. Which could be, again, like Bob, it could be a, a thing that works for him. Mm -hmm. Just right. to kind of take a minute. Because, you know, he's a top, he was a draft, top draft pick of the year ago or something, all that kind of pressure, being in Philadelphia of all places, which is the most loving place <laughs> to be. You know, he hit Santa Claus, remember? They, For a sadist. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe, I don't know, it's like it may be, again, with, with Mother, it may be you're coming to Orlando, like we were talking before, man, it's like 85 degrees, right, right. you know, you leave, right. you leave Philly, right. cold, snow, and then you get, you know. Disney, some, Disney World. Disney World, you probably did. Hey, take it down. You want to go to Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> go hang out with Mickey. Take a break. Uh, so, I, I, again, I guess that's a way of just saying, I guess, as you're getting, you know, you've been with the team for three years yes, almost, right? Yes, yes, I guess you're, you know, how you, some, you, you learn situations like uh, uh, what may seem as a kind of negative, it can really be a positive. Right, for sure, for sure. So, like you said, like, as soon as you walk off the plane and you feel that 85 degrees, you instantly <laughs> smile, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, yes. And so, you know, with him, I know he's, you know, sometimes people need change of scenery, and, you know, and that could be the case for him. You know, like I said, he was the number one pick two years ago, and the kid's very talented, and, uh, you know, and that's the reason we, we believe in the kid. And so, 
just going to work as a partnership with them and, like I said, build trust and help them continue to, you know, get healthy as a group and, uh, you know, see what happens from there. Mm-hmm. Melvin Frazier, he was drafted in the second round by the Magic. And um, I, the reason why I mentioned his name is uh, Coach Mike Dunleavy Sr. He's a good friend of mine, great individual, coached him in Tulane. And, you know, he raved about Melvin. Like, Melvin was the person that helped him be able to transition, you know, and be able to to help him help all the other players buy in, you know. And, of course, as you see, Tulane's not doing as well without Melvin, you know, and everything, that leadership. So um, what is his trajectory, you think, um, uh, at the next level, and how's he doing? A very, he's, he's definitely improving. A very versatile defender, long mm-hmm. arms. Um, aggressive, competitive defender um, with an evolving game, evolving shot, um, evolving, you know, game you know, driving to the basket. Um, Melvin's another kid that's young, came from Tulane, kind of came on the scene late. Um, and he's continued to buy into what we're trying to do with him, and he's continued to progress, you know, between with the Magic and a little time with the G League, you know. Mm. Um, our Lakeland staff down there, um, Anthony Parker and Attitude Jadadipe, they're, they're doing really oh, well with him. And Anthony. he comes up from with our mm. medical staff and our coaching staff here with Coach Cliff. And their staff, you know, he's, you know, giving double – a double the bonus, I guess, if you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, right from mm-hmm. two different groups that are both saying the same message. Yeah. Our guest is Kevin Tiller, the second. Yes. He's the uh, – we're, we're going to ask you about that. Who's the, <laughs> the first? I guess well, – we'll, 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 uh, I, I could guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, kinda, exactly, exactly. I, I guess you, you're right. You're like, really, Bill? <laughs> I guess if it had been the third, then we could – Yeah, exactly. But that's okay. It's not, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Murph. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, but Kevin is the player development coordinator for the Orlando Magic. Let me – you know, one of the things we always talk about – uh, it was student. How do, how do, particularly African Americans get from one point to the other in this industry? You know, for a lot of our kids, if I ain't playing, if I ain't playing, then what? What am I going to do? But you actually, so you you got your bachelor's degree in business management from Guilford College. Yes. You played basketball, and football. Yes. You went to but Guilford College. Yes. Uh, I went to Guilford College for a couple of years. Really? Yeah. Uh-oh. Wow. Yeah. Green, Greensboro? Greensboro. Uh, uh, I, played, I played for Jack Jensen back in the day. It was, um, it's Palumbo now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. Small world. Yes, wow. indeed. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Is there anything more? I should have done my research. Is 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 uh, is uh, Jamal's picture still on the? Yeah, yeah probably. Maybe yeah. somewhere. Right center, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but you play football, basketball there, which is a, then you um, you went to Virginia Commonwealth University to do your graduate work. You got a master's degree in sports leadership, yes. and that's where you met Shaka Smart, yes. friend of the program, handsome uh, Obama. Yeah, that connection. Yeah, how life works. Yeah, so so tell us. I mean, how did you? How did you? From playing football, basketball, how did you get off the conveyor belt? I mean, how did you at some point say, you know, you get off the conveyor belt like the typical thing, NFL, NBA? How did you begin to say, you know, see yourself outside of basketball, kind of in the role you're doing now? Well, honestly, you know, I think like all athletes, we sometimes naively think we're all going to go professionally. And I was one of those kids in college thinking that if I worked really hard and scored 10 touchdowns, I'd go to the NFL. And that was my dream. Um, unfortunately, I had a bad junior year. Um, I was hurt and, then, you know, some mishaps. So I kind of re- came to the realization that after this, my senior year, I need to figure out what I want to do next. And I wasn't really sure. I did some internships um, at radio stations at um, UNCG Greensboro, the athletic department. I was a cameraman. I was a broadcaster. Um, just doing different odd jobs to kind of find my niche. And uh, I, I realized I still haven't found it, so I wanted to work, uh, wanted to maybe try coaching. So I was, you know, blessed to 
get into VCU, which was changed my life, the, mm. the, the graduate program, and really put my life on a different trajectory. Um, but also working with, you know, like you said, Chaka Smart, who was an unbelievable guy. He's the, one of the best guys I've ever met, for not just, just basketball, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that point on, I kind of took my life from there on. Hmm. Were you part of that Final Four team or no. just just before, right? I mean, sorry, just <laughs> after, just at, no, just before you came in, right? So, so I, I was I was with him his last year when he we won a eight ten championship. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm. first ever um, eight ten championship I was there and it was uh, it was a great year. So I was right. the bus is already moving. I just as a part. So you were like point. a five or six seed that year yeah. too, yeah, right? We were, in the tournament, right? I want to say we were a seven seed. So it was right. I mean, it was we, we, we played uh, mm-hmm. um, Ohio State Danza Russell and, and uh, he had like uh, thirty seven. You know, mm-hmm. beat us. So. Mm-hmm. But you said that because um, I asked you why didn't you follow Shaka uh, to um, Texas, and he said he, he kind of gave you some good advice. Yeah, so uh, my role as a I was a graduate assistant, so my role kind of like a, a manager. But my I live with the actual players, so we were all in a in a dorm with three other players. Um, so I was able to build good relationships with them, and um, they ended up being like a confidant for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he was making his transition to Texas, you know, I kind of reached out to him the night he announced it. And I was, I come from Guilford College, small division three. I'd never seen my coach on ESPN before. In my life. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, hey, you know, Coach Smart, I don't know what to do. Like, um, you know, what's the plan is next? And he, he kind of gave me the advice of finish your degree and be, and be those for the players through this, through this transition. You know, the next coach would be great, um, but I want you to be there and, and be there for them, you know, during this tough time. And uh, he was right. The next coach is Will Wade, who's at LSU, who right. is another great guy mm-hmm. for me who helped my career and helped teach me the, the business of basketball. Mm-hmm. When did you start thinking that what you're doing now, which is player development, is this when you st- really start thinking that, man, I think this is sort of my my role and, and uh, this is sort of what was in, I was intended to do? It actually started at Guilford College my senior year. I, I tried to... Um, I helped create a program called Brothers Doing Positive, which was a mentorship program for because a lot of African American kids were dropping out of Guilford College when they weren't playing football. You know, Division mm. Three is no scholarships, so we're all living off of loans and work study money. So when kids weren't playing or they weren't happy, uh, they'd finish out the semester and then drop out. and And I just thought it was wrong, and I thought we need to create ways to help these guys feel like it was, you know, they could still go to school here despite um, not playing sports. So I created a program where they'd have mentorships and you know provide events and things like that so that way these guys feel like there's other things they can do mm-hmm. transitioning to VCU um you know I knew I wasn't I didn't come in with a pedigree like other guys of being a great basketball player in college or anything like that um but I knew I I, I wanted to get close to the players cause I cared about players so that's kind of been my niche I started working for free my first year mm. um, as a volunteer GA um but I knew that I wanted to help these guys genuinely, you know, and and that's kind of how I built from there. So, player development coordinator for the, for the Orlando Magic. What what does that mean? Like, what it, I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of responsibility. What it, can you describe what that position is? Whew, yeah, so it's basically uh, like a liaison, like a um, support system for the players. So basically, my role. Um, I'm very blessed to have this role. I, th- I think, like I said, Be- Becky Bonner, John Hammond, Jeff Waltman for giving me the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but my role is I travel with the team. I'm with them all the time, um, whether it be player appearances, going to Walmart to get them grocery, to help grocery shop, mm-hmm. baby wow. showers. Wow. Um, Make sure they eat right. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. just along with the uh, medical staff as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> but uh, just, just, very, just various different things like that. Um, 
and even after so after the draft, like I'll, I'll be the one to be at the draft. I'll take them back with them and, and get to know them, build a relationship with them. And when we sign players for agency, I'll be there as well to wow. to meet the guy. So just basically building a relationship of trust and showing that they have a you know someone to support myself and Becky Bonner, and we have other people, Regan Carner and Orlando um, Boyer, who also help us as well. It's a big player development department. Do you mm-hmm. find yourself uh, dealing more so with the younger guys than the veterans? Uh, so initially, yes. Um, so veterans have been in the league, so they kind of kind of fill you out first, kind of figure out who is this dude that's around us in mm-hmm. our locker rooms, kind of mm-hmm. talking to us. Um, the younger guys are still more susceptible to listening. So, <laughs> so, so, so getting to, getting to know those guys, and and so my pro, my my priority personally have been to first, like I said, build trust, get to know them, and then kind of find out what interests them. So, um, like this year, for example, we um, set up um, for them to vote. So we got. Mm-hmm. You know, majority of our players to vote. I mean, register to vote, and then half of them to actually to vote. Um, we brought financial speakers in to, to explain about money and, and mm-hmm. budgeting and things like that. And then we have someone coming in later on to speak about healthy relationships. You know, just mm-hmm. just trying to find different ways to help grow them off the court. You know, as people. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's been my main mission is just kind of help these guys, educate these guys. And I'm 26, so I'm learning with them. So it's not like, hey, I have all the answers. Right. When we're in those meetings. I'm learning with them. Um, but first, getting to know what they want to do. So some want to do real estate, some want to invest, um, some want to coach, some want to be professors. And then all right, I find out what they want to do and then matching that with different opportunities, you know, via the NBA or their old college, et cetera. How, how did you, I want to follow up on that, but how, how did you get to the Magic? Did you go right, you went from VCU to the Magic? Yes. So I, after I finished my graduate program, mm-hmm. the coach Will Wade actually hired me on as a, like a special assistant. It's called Student Athlete Development. Uh, student athlete development, yeah, development, and uh, so basically, my role was to be with the players, make sure they were, you know, taking care of his college kids, because um, I built such a good rapport with them. In the meantime, I had, you know, met NBA NBA people throughout the years of being at VCU, and I just kept in contact with one. And uh, I used to write a lot of letters, hmm. and I wrote letters to him, just you know, hey, I wrote letters to a guy named Stephen Mervis, who's actually the one that hired me officially to get into the NBA, and I wrote a letter to him, and I was like, hey, I just want to get to know what you do, you know. And so he calls me, hmm. and he basically makes a long story short. He calls me and says, you know, we have a good conversation. And he's like, would you want to do an internship in the NBA? And I was like, well, you know, I got a full-time job. I'm from Richmond. I got, I got my first apartment ever. I'm 20, I feel like I'm the man. I'm 24. <laughs> and, you know, I'm doing well. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Like, NBA is great, but I'm, I'm happy here. And he's like, well, the NBA is very difficult to get in, and if you have a chance mm. to get in, you should take it, you know, take a chance. So we kind of went through the process, and, and I kept meeting with him, and I flew down to meet with him for lunch. So I flew down. And then during Summer League um, in 2014, he asked me to come down if I can. So I just uh, I called my best friend. He was like, oh, you know, what are we doing for July the 4th, the weekend? I was like, man, I'm, I'm thinking about fly- driving to Orlando. Driving to Orlando? Mm. And I was like, I, I got to meet this guy. Like, I, he wants to meet. I, I got to meet. I got to be back for practice, you know, in 24 hours or 48 hours. So I'm going to drive down and meet him and drive back. Mm. So my best friend was like, all right, I'm going with you. So me and him both drove 14 hours one way. Mm. I met with him for like 15, 20 minutes. Mm. Got in the car and drove right back. Wow. And, practice. Wow. and uh, you know, through the grace of God, that's, that's how I got And that's how you got the gig. Yes. Which, wow. is a, you know, which is a lesson, I think, all of us in our respective fields. That's right. And that's probably a lesson for a lot of young people. In particular, you know, you do stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how you get stuff done. Like, uh, you know, people might say, oh, why are you going to drive down, drive back? But sometimes you have to do some extra. A lot of people will not do that, and mm-hmm. a lot of people will not get that gig, right? right? I mean, that's kind of what the lesson of this stuff is. Right, right. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very difficult to get into the NBA. And um, a lot of people ask me how to get in and kind of just giving some advice. You know, everybody's journey will be different. Um, you know, I always tell people, people are listening, you need to do some of the basketball-related experience. It doesn't have to be at Duke or UNC. You know, it can be at your YMCA. But something – I was at the YMCA. But it has to be something basketball-related. That way, when you get into these uh, interviews, you can say, well, this is what I did that translates to what I'm asking to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's kind of what my whole mindset was at Guilford and at BC was – I don't know what I want to do, and we don't all have to necessarily know, especially kind of figuring it out in our age. But having basketball-related experience, experience in that field, will kind of give you an edge versus just saying, I want to get in. Writing the letter, that was major. Writing the letter, for your generation, when nobody's writing letters, you know, everybody's either texting or email, the fact that somebody gets a letter, you know, has got to be like, wait a minute, who's this guy? You know, <laughs> you know a young guy you know, write me a letter is unusual. I mean, you know, I would think it's a little unusual. That had to be, that had to be some type of like special thing attached to your name or resume. That the fact that you wrote somebody. Yeah, that's, I, that's you know, I used to write like hundreds of letters a week. Wow. So that you know, oh. just I just wanted to meet as many people as like you know as I can, you know. And I never, I never once asked for a job, you know. And I, yeah, I never went in like, hey, I'm trying to meet you, you know, the whole networking, which is overused word. You know, people, you know, call you, then five minutes later, you know, can you let me know when there's a job? Well, I, I never did that, you know. <laughs> right. You know, I just wanted to meet people, you know. Right. Why Why basketball? I mean, you played football, so why basketball? What drew you to basketball instead of football? Well, uh, I, I think I've always loved basketball more. I just was better at football. So, <laughs> you know, and I wanted to come home, too. So, that you know, VCU was home for me. Mm. So, VCU doesn't have a football team, so that kind of how the mm-hmm. it worked out. What was your position? Yeah. Receiver. Right. Oh. Okay. So I, I didn't catch everything, but when I caught it, you were catching <laughs> me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Speed. Well, wait, so you speed me. guy. Yeah, 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 once you yeah. catch it, well, let's just stop it from catching it. <laughs> <laughs> let's try that. <laughs> so what is your dream? What is, where do you ultimately see yourself to be a GM in the league? Uh, where do you want to be, like, eventually? Because you're only 26, so you have, the sky's the limit for you, and the time is you have so much time. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's, like, the uh, kind of like the – the answer I'm kind of, you know, the decision I'm kind of deciding now, I think it's kind of like the easy answer to say, you know, run a team, you know, it sounds fun, but I'm I'm getting to understand the dynamics of running a team, you know, you know, working with uh, John Hammond, Jeff Wilman mm-hmm. now, getting to learn, but also Scott Perry, who's with the Knicks, yes, you indeed. know, mm-hmm. I worked with him with the Magic, and, you know, he can kind of help me as well, develop me, and, and show me kind of like the rigors of, 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 of running a team, you mm-hmm. know, it isn't just hey, I like this kid or I like this guy. We trade for this person. It's you know, it's, it's more to it. Um, so just learning the NBA first, and then uh, kind of going from there. You know, mm-hmm. you said you do some scouting. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so college scouting. So um, when I'm not traveling with the team, I'll go local scout, uh, but mostly via video. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me let me ask before we count. I want to ask you some basketball stuff too, because I mean this 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 race. You know, the East suddenly all of a sudden. Thanks to LeBron going out west, it's like the whole seas parted. You know, like you see the Ten Commandments when the seas part. It just seems like being an East now, everybody has a chance to go to the beach. But I want to talk to you, but I want to ask you something else before we do that. But what's it like being in the locker room? I mean, a lot of people see the NBA and from the outside, but what are you talking about? Young people, young people with money on their hands, maybe for the first time and all that. What's what's the life like? I mean, I mean, I, as much as you could 
say, but it's what what maybe the better question is, what are a couple of things that people might be surprised to know about it or or just to think about when it comes to these young guys, African American guys in the NBA? Yeah, so you know, it's, it was kind of it was eye opening for me, you know, being around the NBA players, and so. I, you know, when I think about these guys, these guys come from different walks of life. And so some of these guys come from very poor backgrounds. So you think about some guys that come from, like, Louisiana and think about how poor some of those areas are. And so these guys, you know, some of them, you know, they get brought into a system where, like, they're really good at basketball at 13, 14, 15 years old, and they're kind of told to focus on basketball, focus on, bas- focus on basketball. Then they go to a Division I school, do well, and they leave. So a guy goes from poverty to making $217,000 every two weeks in a matter of a year. And so to understand the, the mental dynamics of that, you, there's no way to prepare for that. So getting to know them, getting to know that transition. And so for me, I was fortunate because I working with the players, I had some good older vets who would just teach me the game mm. but from a player's lens. And so understanding the dynamics, understanding who's around them, you know, and, and just kind of understanding what makes a successful, you know, NBA player. Obviously, he needs certain things physically and, 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 and on a basketball court, but off the court, you know, you know, how does he live, you know, who's around him. Those are the biggest factors for me that I've noticed that'll help a guy succeed. So who is he talk to when he's down, when he's going, you know, having hard times with, you know, relationships, work, et cetera. You know, who is he confiding in and who that advice he gets from the person he, he's confiding in will ultimately help a guy be successful, you know. And, and so learning the lens through, through those guys has been interesting. You said you said there were a couple of vets that helped you, that taught you the game uh, from the player's lens. Like who were some of the vets that helped you and, and what, what did they teach you? So, uh, so I can speak. I can say one. Mo Spates. Um, mm-hmm. He was on the team last year. Yep. Um, he was really, really good for me. Um, just kind of helping like, putting me under his arm. A guy who's won a championship with Golden State. Um, he's been around the league, so he's kind of seen it all. So a guy who would, you know, say, hey, this, you know, this is, this is what we think. You know, this is kind of what we like. This is what we don't like. This is what we see. This is what we notice. You know, this is how our bodies feel on the road. You know, because they're the ones playing it. Um, and so being able to learn from them. And then from that point on, building that trust, you know, and then being able to say, okay, you've helped me, let me help you by what do you want to do after basketball? Mm. And mm. being able to bridge that gap with the NBA, because the NBA has great, you know, events um, that help these guys grow. So being able to bridge that gap with the NBA to kind of help these guys, you know, continue mm. to grow. Mm. What's it like? We have a couple minutes. We got to decide. But, I mean, there's so much, man. We keep you here for another hour. Because this is really, I mean, you may take it for granted. But having somebody who's like inside mm-hmm. and sees the stuff every day is really, I can't wait for the documentary when you find it. Wow, we had him on the show. When? Yes. But um, what's it like? I know you can't talk about players in, in college or players of other teams, right? To, now that you know you, you were a college athlete, you know, basketball, football, has your attitude changed toward the system of, of intercollegiate athletics? Uh, do, you, do you think that guys get paid? Or being an education guy, do you think that the opportunity to actually get a degree is sufficient enough? Well, I think athletes nowadays, I think they're becoming more aware. Not becoming, they are more aware of of what's going on in the sense of, like, they should take advantage of their education. Now, as far as the, the system in itself, you know, I, you know, every kid has to make his own decision. But I think kids need to um, educate themselves 
Now it's hard to ask a 17, 18 year old kid to educate himself on such a broad statement. Um, and that's why I said it's important for the people who are around him. But under, understanding their position and how, you know, what they can kind of, how basketball can use them and how they can use basketball, and even at the college level. So if, if, if he's gonna, if a kid's not good enough to go one and done, but understanding, okay, if I'm in college, um, maybe I don't just, you know, go to practice, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I do an internship. And I know some, some guys have done that in college, but doing other outside basketball things. And then we get into the NBA, um, being able to still continue to use the – because I know a lot of guys can go to the NBA, leave school, and then come back and still get their degree. And a lot of our guys are thinking about doing that as well. So um, as a system as a whole, I, it's, I encourage or we encourage our, our players to educate themselves on, on – what do you want to do while you have this small time in the NBA? Mm. You know, and, and, that, and that's been our, our process. Well, I mean, most recently, obviously, you had the whole, the whole Zion situation where, you know, he, he has a near injury and all of a sudden, you know, you got NBA players, uh, commentators telling him, shut it down, shut it down. Maybe you can't speak to, to him uh, personally, but in that type of situation, you know, do you do you think there's value in, in a guy playing, or do you think, you know, you know, you have all that money coming later on? Is it a situation maybe they should shut it down? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of hard to to talk about that without talking about it. So, I, I know the NBA as a whole, they're doing a good job of of uh, of creating of creating the G League and beefing that up and giving that another avenue. So, like, obviously, when kids get in high school, they can... So, G League. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, they can go G League at some point. They'll be able to go, they can go overseas if they want to, or eventually they'll be able to go out, you know, straight to the NBA. So, I think for them, assessing or, or, or kind of weighing all risk, you know, what's the risk of going overseas? You know, what's the risk of going to the G League? You know, what's the risk of going straight to the NBA? Either way, it's going to be a development. It's going to be a risk. Right. Um, or, or just stay in college or go to college, you know. Just briefly, because I think Jamal raised a good question, for for a high draft pick who can risk injury, just your own, you know, you've seen it from the other side. Is it is it worth the risk? Do you like the loyalty aspect that you go you go to college, you you make a commitment, you should follow through in your commitment? Yes. <laughs> tough question. Yeah, tough question. Uh, I think at the end of the day, as, as for any person, you know, not just basketball related, you got to make the best decision for you. Right. You right. know, at the end of the day, you got to make the best decision for you. Because it's, right. it's like you said, it's always a risk. Like even like if you play overseas, right, and you're making a hundred thousand right. dollars, but at least but, you're making a hundred thousand dollars. But you're still risking millions. So maybe you still shut it down. You yeah, know what but, I mean? Like it's always right. like it's still way more than what you're doing. Yeah, but I'd rather. But if I'm at like you know VCU or whatever playing. Playing for peanuts, well, playing for nothing. Right, right. right. <laughs> like, what, you know, I mean, I, this I've really been thinking about. It. They're playing for nothing, right? And but who? The coaches are getting paid, the TV things getting paid, the conference is getting paid. Everybody around me is getting paid mm-hmm. except me and my shoe. Blo- I, I can't even get a good shoe. <laughs> the shoe blows out. Did you give me a cheap shoe? Mm-hmm. You know. Hey. Well, I think the best thing for athletes they can do is 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 keep the main thing, the main thing, which is basketball. And then that'll open up so many avenues and they'll be able to create opportunities for themselves and others if they can make the main job the most important. My guest has been, man, this has really been delightful, man. Our guest has been Kevin Tiller II. Yes. Your, your, your dad is yes, Kevin. Yes, my father's, yes. Your Kevin, second, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> same middle initial? Same middle initial, yep. Well, I, guess, I guess, is that it? If it's Tiller, it's got to be the exact same? Think so. Yeah, exactly. we are at least. We are exactly. Least, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, hey, Kevin. Listen, Kevin is the player development coordinator for the Orlando Magic. 
Man, this has been this has been tremendous. Man, we keep you for another three hours. But <laughs> Guilford College finest, yep. <laughs> Quakers, yeah. Quakers in the house, Quakers. Yeah. Right. So we're going to take a little break, and we come back. We're going to actually keep this Orlando Magic thing going. We're going to have Aaron Gordon, who's one of the stars of the the Magic uh, resurgence. So uh, hang tight. We're going to be back in just a couple seconds. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and thirty day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Check it out. Welcome back to another version of Bill Roden on sports. And, uh, you know, we got a special guest, but I'm going to let, let my man, Nabate Hiles, uh, tell you everything you need to know about our next guest. Yes, indeed. This gentleman is um, one of the rising stars of the National Basketball Association, uh, number four pick overall in the 2014 NBA draft. And he's uh, the leader. One of the, Him and Nikola Vucevic are, are the leaders of uh, the rising Orlando Magic as they are looking to make the playoffs. And it's our pleasure to have um, one of the most athletic, entertaining players in the league, Mr. Aaron Gordon, on the program. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing well. I appreciate it. That's a, that's a hell of an intro, man. I appreciate it. Oh, we, we, got, we got more. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I like it, man. I, I like to listen, listen to that intro. Man. I can just listen to that intro the whole conversation. But, Kat, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question, man. I mean, you know, so when you hear the word, when somebody describes you as one of the great athletic things, I mean, is that cool with you? I mean, you know, is that when they say one of the great athletic, for, what is, or if I said one of the great, uh, the great thinking man, small. For, I mean, what when you hear the athletic? How do you hear? I mean, how do you hear that? Uh, it's it's accurate. It's definitely accurate. You know, people don't see my athleticism and the skills are uh, coming along. and slipped up, but I got a lot of refining to do. But yeah, I feel like I'm uh, one of the most uh, athletic people in the league in, in, in professional sports. So I like it. It's, it's uh, accurate. Very accurate. I appreciate that. Okay. Speaking of that. Um, are you gonna you gonna get back in the dunk contest anytime soon? Yeah, hopefully I can do it next year. I think there's gonna be a lot of entries. In. I know there's gonna be yeah, there's gonna be uh, Zion coming in. Donovan Mitchell said he wanted to do it again. Ooh. He's a dunk contest. And Zach, get Zach in there too. Right? <laughs> yeah, Zach, Zach. It's his hometown in Chicago. Is Zach gonna be? I think we're, we're gonna have to make some changes to these two dunk. Yeah, what you think of that? What you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. And what do you think of the dunk contest? Because it seems like the level, the lackluster level, has inspired everybody to say, "Man, wait a minute, we can do that." What What was wrong with this year's dunk contest? It was just, we, we just received the same old thing, you know, the same format, everything like that. It's just you got to change it up a little bit, whether it be more people. Like we, there's so many people in the three point contest. You know what I mean? There's so many people, and there's only four dunkers. We gotta True. first off incorporate more dunkers, and uh, this is this is crucial for next year's dunk contest. There's what? gonna be so many great dunkers in next year's dunk contest. It can't just be out of fifty. So how many? You know, how long have we done? How long have we done it out of fifty? The whole time it's always been out of fifty. Everything mm. has always been out of fifty. 
we gotta we gotta up the up the ante, man. It gotta be out of a hundred. It got it has to be out of a hundred points, man. Okay. So okay. Right. So we so we're gonna make you the commissioner for a day. <laughs> what would you do? We're gonna make we're gonna make Aaron going the commissioner for a day. How does this change? So so this becomes the dunk contest becomes riveting TV again. Like I said, dude, we gotta allow everybody that wants to do it do it uh, because there's plenty of sleepers, you know, there's dark horses that are going to be able to show up, pull out something never been done before. Um, and then, yeah, like, like I said, you got to make it out of 100 points, not just out of 50 points. We've got to do something innovative with the format of, of the dunk contest. Like, I, mean, I, I remember they tried to do something like that with, like, the, the partner dunks, and, and they had the, uh, like, the time dunking challenge. That was, that was cool. I actually liked that. Um, but it's really about just the individual dunks and the scores. So we got to go back to that. But it got to be out of 100. This next dunk contest in Chicago has to be out of 100 points. And speaking like 2016, it was one of the greatest competitions I've ever seen live. I mean, you and Zach Levine. Mm. I mean, just back and forth. And, and your dunk, and I'm not just saying this. Your dunk, when you put the ball under both your legs, and, and you, I think you caught the, you got the ball from, um, from uh, the mascot, from the magic mascot, put it under your legs. And then, I mean, just that creativity. Talk about how the athleticism's there in the league. How come people are not as creative as you and Zach were that night and, and throughout your careers in the dunk contest? Yeah, well, first, I mean, it's, it's, you got you got to be addressed to stuff. It's stuff to, he deserves his first name. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, I forgot Stuff's name. Yes, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and he did, did a tremendous job. But, uh, I think that was just like an accumulation of Watching like the air one big stage growing up, mm-hmm. you know the air one big stage, the hoop big stage, mm-hmm. uh, like, like all of the underground, underground street ball mm-hmm. type type uh, associations. You know, what I, mean? I think that's what that was. We grew up in that era watching even like uh, video games like uh, mm-hmm. NBA Street. Mm-hmm. That's where I got a lot of inspiration from. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe I maybe I gotta go back and play that game before I do this. You know, you, you, you know, you bring up a good point, man. Like, I, you know, we're here in New York. I lived up in, up in Harlem. I'm living, in fact, I'm right down the street from the Rucker. So during the summer, you could hear it. You could hear like, oh, oh. You know, you could, you could hear it. I'm like right, a block away. Right, but right. I'm wondering if sometimes guys, you know, because you're in the NBA and sometimes guys just stay, you know, you almost lose your roots. You stay away from that stuff. Maybe everybody needs to make a pilgrimage, you know, to, to the street. To playground basketball, just to kind of get re-energized, to remember, like what creativity looks like, and and you know, and and bring that into the dunk contest. I don't know if if that could help at all, uh, but it just seems like you look at the dunk; it's the same old thing. I, I don't know how much more you can do with the dunk. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it at this point is just a lot of remixes. You know, mm-hmm. so the the dunks that we do have been done for so long. That's right. like about tweaking them, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, the, the dunk contest is a street contest, right? So, exactly, exactly. You know, what I mean? like that's where it originated. Like it originated the street contest. So yeah, if you go back to the, all the like underground dunkers, like that's what they're doing. They're doing it on, on like on uh, blacktop. You know what I mean? Like mm. that's where yep. that's where like the old school dunk contests come from. Is blacktop, so. 
you know, those are those are where you really see the dunks that, like, whoa, I've never even seen that before. <laughs> and when you bring that to the NBA, it just it magnifies. You know, it's just like it, it's it's the uh, it's a peak. You know, it's a paramount. That's what that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And there's probably nothing more. I mean, I guess the thing is, I heard somebody talk about maybe you ought to bring bring somebody from the whatever to to stop you dunking. In other words, that'd be part of the prop is like oh, that'd be crazy. to bring somebody out and to stop you dunking, like either <laughs> a teammate or somebody, <laughs> and like you know, somebody like okay, <laughs> bring somebody. and then because isn't that part of the thing of the dunk is like you dunk on somebody. You're like, oh, you know, you posterize somebody. So maybe you get like a teammate or somebody, and you got to play. So okay, you try to stop me dunking. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. That gets that gets yeah. kind of violent. Okay, okay, all right. I like I like that actually. I like that show. <laughs> and then the magic will be holding their. Br- then the magic be holding their breath. You know, Kevin will Seriously. be like. Ah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think. I don't think the NBA is going to go for that. <laughs> you bring some cat out of San Quentin. I'll, I'll stop him. <laughs> Easy now. Well, let me let me segue from from the dunk contest to the, to the real game. You got you guys are twenty eight and thirty three and night in the ninth spot in the East. Only one game out of the playoffs. You got to be excited about this opportunity. Like, how much would it mean uh, to you personally if you were able to get a if the Orlando Magic were able to get a playoff berth this year? You know, it's just the next step that we need to take. So it's right there for us. Uh, this is the most talented team that personally I've ever been mm. around, and we can all sense that. And we, we don't we, we don't want to waste that. You know, we have an opportunity here to. Uh, do something special with this Orlando Magic team that hasn't been done in quite some time. So we're just taking advantage of every opportunity. You know, we know every game is going to be hard fought because that's the way the league is built. You know, this league is built with so much talent and skill and history and uh, just uh, IQ, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So every single night you got to bring your heart, your soul, mm-hmm. and your body and come out with a win. And that's, what, that's what we're doing. We're just taking it one day at a time. Now, Aaron, um, there's a situation that's going on now, college basketball. Everyone's talking about, you know, Zion Williamson, what happened to him last week. And you were a one-and-done guy. Uh, you ended up being a top-five pick in the draft. You were MVP of the McDonald's game, one of the top players in your class. Uh, talk about, do you think Zion should shut it down or, you know, and also too, what was your mindset in Arizona as well? Did you feel like you were looking more for the pros or completely in that season, uh, your freshman year? So talk about what Zion's mindset should be and what your mindset was five years ago. Wow. Mm, wow. Yeah. I know it's, it's flying by. Yeah. Wow. Flying by. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Long, long way to go. Long way to go. Um, yeah, I, I mean, college basketball is uh, it's fun. You know, it's for the crowd. It's like a playoff atmosphere. Uh, was, you know, I don't really know, but, <laughs> you know, it feels like that type of atmosphere, the energy for the students, they're invested. And you're, uh, nobody has contracts, nobody's getting paid, so everybody feels like it's really like a brotherhood. 
And that's that's the camaraderie that you'll never get back mm. uh, other than a college team. You know, so for Zion, they have an opportunity to, to win a national championship. Mm. And, you know, that that's special. Mm. It really is special. Mm. You know, it, it's, it, Zion is going to make all the money in the world. You know what I mean? You know, he, regardless of, of whether he comes out this year, comes out next year, or, or knock on wood, or hopefully he doesn't get injured anymore further than he did, he's going to make all the money that he needs to make. So when it comes down to it, it's about how you want to live your life. Mm. And to, for Zion, I, you know, he can shut it down and, and wait for the pros, but if you wait for the pros now, you're going to always be waiting for something. You know what I mean? It's, it's about right now. So. Mm-hmm. The opportunity that's presenting itself is to be in the moment right now, to be with this Duke team, to get healthy, and compete for a national championship. That's what winners do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what winners do. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for me, I uh, I wasn't able to see that as uh, at Arizona. Obviously, when I was in it, I was all in. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I I hate to admit that I used Arizona as a springboard to the NBA. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm as opposed to just accepting it for what it was. It, it really invested myself all the way into college. That's why I was like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm going to pick a school, and I'm going to go to this school for X amount of months, and then I'm going to go to the league. And that's going to be that. You know, I'm going to make my money, and I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously we had a great run in Arizona, and I, I believe if Brandon Ashley did get hurt, uh, started power forward, we would have won a national championship. Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and we were 22 and 0 until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of everything got a little shaky. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's he's never going to get college basketball back. Wow. You know, and uh, you don't want to go out by blowing out a shoe. You know, that's not how you want to. <laughs> <end. laughs> well, that's yeah, it for Zion. That's it for Nike. Yeah, exactly. That's it for Nike. Do you wear? Do you have? Do you, do you wear Nike? Yeah, oh yeah, I love Nike, man. I really do love Nike. I've had checks on my feet for a long time. We've been grassroots for sure. Mm. Would you have done it again? Done it differently? You mentioned. I mean, that was really a great answer, man. Just such a great perspective. Um, having to do it all over again, would you do it the same way, or would you choose a kind? Would you maybe more grasp the um, the the college experience? Wow, that's, that's, it's really hard to talk about, you know. Right. Uh, you never know. You never know what would happen um, because my first year in the NBA, I fractured my foot. Mm. So, had that have been my sophomore year in college, who know, who knows what right. would happen? You know what I mean? Right. You know, that's it, right. It's hard to tell. It's that's hard right. to tell. Um, but when I was given my, uh, I, I talked to Sean Miller. And he said, Aaron, you'd be stupid if you came back to college. Because uh, I, I already got somebody to take your place. Come on. That's what that's what that's tough, right. tough shoes to fill, though. But I hear you. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what yeah. No, that's what we always joke about Calipari. Calipari. Yeah. Cass, Cass, yeah. Well, you you somebody the coach, I'm thinking about coming back. You doing what? <laughs> we got three. <laughs> you better leave. <laughs> Hey, hey, look, it's like, I, I don't care where you go, but you can't. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Oh, man, that's, like, that's, like, that's like, what's the name? Uh, we talking to uh, uh, last year, Duke, uh, what's, um, you know, that, who got drafted by Chicago. Wendell Carter. Oh, Wendell, Wendell Carter. Mm-hmm. So we had this, yeah. you know, he's going to tell 
I don't know, Coach, man. I'm thinking about coming back. He said, well, you got to be kidding me. We got this, you know. We got Zion coming. We got Zion coming. <laughs> Zion coming <laughs> in, where are you going to play? Right. But, you know. Where your minutes Yeah, where your minutes go. But, you know, I mean, but it, it really is a business. I mean, that, that's, I know you were talking about the college thing romantically. But at the end of the day, man, you know, these guys, Sean and, and Shashette, these guys are making, you know, millions of dollars. They're getting paid to win. They're getting paid to, like, recruit and it's it really is a business. You know, the school's making money, the conference is making money, you know, the shoe company's making money, everybody's making money except, you know, you guys. So I guess you almost I know you think about it romantically, but it's not a romantic and it's a business. No question. No question. And that and that's what it came down to, you know. Uh, in, in the press conference after the season, I had to like choke out that I was going to the NBA because it was such a lifelong dream to and it was like it was uh it was like coming to grips with reality. I'm like, oh, I'm going to the uh, NBA. You heard that? <laughs> <laughs> so that right. I, I really appreciated how Arizona had, had treated me, how they respected me. I really had fell in love with the with the Wildcats, the West Coast Wildcats. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's a business, and you know you, you got to make that money at the end of the day. You know. Are you gonna Are you gonna get your degree? Or are you working on it? Uh, right now, I'm not necessarily working on a degree. Um, I, I feel like eventually I will get my degree. I'm the only one in my uh, immediate family that doesn't have a degree, so I get made fun of for that. But you know, I just uh, <laughs> got a lot of money though. <laughs> y'all, y'all want me to take the check or not? <laughs> right, right. And and your sister with that Harvard degree, at least with that Harvard degree, you know, like it's all good. She yeah. she takes care of the business side, and the, you know, oh, okay. for y'all. So, right, man. she holds it down. Man. She holds it down. <laughs> you know, a lot of things that are in the world right now that mm. don't necessarily need a college degree. You know what I mean? We have the needs, we have the resources. So now it's just time to be resourceful with it. But you know what? But I'm, I'm sorry about it. But just on that point, though, yes, you got all that. But let's say you want to go back to Arizona to coach. You know, and you come yeah. back to coach. You know, you got in the record book. They say, yeah, but you know, you need you need a you need a, you need a degree to come back and coach. And you say, yeah, but I played the NBA for ten years. I blah 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 blah. And I, you know, and they say, yeah, but you need a degree to coach. And you know, right. uh, that's not a question, but it's more like another reality of it doesn't seem like it's necessary, but that's just one more thing they can hang you up on. What do you think oh, about that, that? That's true. And that's true. And uh, um, the transition from being a player to uh, a coach, especially a college coach, you know, it would probably take a little bit of time. So it'd be, it would be great to be under the wing of somebody like a, a Sean Miller or Lorenzo Lomar, uh, Calipari or Krzyzewski mm-hmm. uh, for those two, three years that it takes for you to get it. Exactly. And, uh, that you could be like, a, it, it would almost be like a red shirt coach, you know, to be uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Or you'd be, you be uh, seasoned by the time it's ready for you to take the take the helm. Well, well, Aaron, I think you you're doing something that should earn you an instant degree um, with working with Lucid, which is an app uh, with sports psychology and helping athletes be able to to mentally be strong as physically, you know, as they are physically, you know, and that's that's important. Talk about how you and Brandon Marshall. Uh, put you know the ideas together and talk about how the the app is flourishing and helping your fellow athletes. 
Oh yeah, Brandon Marshall is awesome, man. He he's gone through so much in his life and has overcome so many things that uh, he is even a better testament to speak to uh, mental health than I am. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm able to articulate. So Lucid is just about helping people find out who they are uh, without their sport or without their occupation. Mm. You know, who you are to uh, your core, and in turn that helps you with. Everything in life, how you communicate, how you uh, how you perform on the court, on the court, on the field, whatever, in the pool, on the ice, wherever, wherever. Uh, so when you lose it, that's an app. We've also come up with with my uh, uh, sports psychologist or mentor, Graham Betchart. He uh, works with the Utah Jazz right now. We've also come out with two more companies called Custom Meditations and. Uh, train the mind, train the mind, and um, it, it's just teaching kids how to become more mindful and how to navigate the obstacles in life and, and the failures in life to become more successful later on down the road. Mm. Good stuff. Um, getting back, getting back to on the course stuff for you personally. Um, how how do you feel about how your game is coming along in the past few years? I mean, you got a lot of people out there who 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 are kind of waiting for you to, to explode. But I'm looking at your, your stats and your, I mean, this season, your 16.7 rebounds, four assists. Those are pretty good, those are pretty good numbers on the low. Um, how, how, do you feel like, yeah. how do you feel like your game is developing and, and where, where are you trying to take it? Right. They, they, that, that is really like, they're like solid numbers. You know what I mean? For me, they're like, to me, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I know I, I have like way more in the tank. You know, I got way, 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 way more in the tank. So as far as the numbers go, I'm not, I'm not really concerned. Mm-hmm. This year, uh, I really, for myself personally, needed to take a step back and stop looking at the numbers so much and really learn how to win. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a uh, a youngin coming into the NBA, if even though I see all the youngins these days. Like everybody's so concerned with the, get the bucket, right. get the bucket, mm-hmm. get the bucket. Right. No matter how you get the bucket, you just get the bucket. <laughs> Even though it might not be the best thing for your team, right. you know what I mean. Like you might, it might not help your team win. You you're so concerned on just putting the ball in the basket. And there's a lot of other aspects to the game that are necessary to help your team win, and that's what uh, John Hammond is helping me see. Jeff Weltman, Pete is helping me see. Uh, Coach Cliff, uh, Steve Clifford, how we see Pat Lady, Ty Corbin, Steve Hassel, uh, Mike Batista, all these guys, Bruce, all these guys are helping me understand the game of basketball. I'm learning the game of basketball. So for this this year, I had to step back, step away from the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see I have a, a career high in assists right. right now. So that's, that's the thing that I'm most proud of. You know, I'm trying to help my team. Around me and help the players around me get get going, get get their game going, so we can come and we can go further than we've ever gone before. What Orlando team? What, what, did you become aware? In other words, how old were you when you became aware of the Orlando Magic? I mean, what was your first memory of the Orlando Magic? Man. Okay, it had to have been. Uh, it had to have been. Well, I remember Shaq and Penny, mm. um, but but I didn't I didn't even realize like it was the Orlando Magic. I just knew it was Shaq and Penny. You know? <laughs> and then when I was real aware of the Orlando Magic, it was a team where 
uh, Clifford was on this team. He was, it was with uh, Tamir Nelson, J.J. Reddick. So I made the finals. Hedo Turkoglu and Dwight Howard. Yeah, I remember Hedo Turkoglu. He used to run the angle pick and roll with Dwight. And they would have J.J. They would have JJ's face, they would have Rashard's face, and they would have Keto's, or no, no, and have uh, Tamir's face, and they would have uh, Dwight Rowley. And you have, you have Turkoglu, who is a 6'9", kind of like winged thing, or point forward, whatever you call and he was just killing, and he was picking him apart. He would either hit Dwight on the roll lob, or he would hit Rashard Lewis on the corner three. Mm, right. And they were just killing people, and that was the first time I, I ever heard about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want and we have a couple minutes left uh, two things for me A I want you to say something really nice about Kevin because he's been sitting here very <laughs> very, yeah, very polite, patient man. Yeah. Yeah, KT all he, does, all he does is talk when he's around me man. He, you know the boy, he's to say okay, wait wait oh, he's just polite he's just polite my bad my bad alright um, and the second uh, one, K- okay. KT, KT looking out for everybody he's looking out like he, he if you want it he got it. If you don't, he'll go get it. You know what I mean? Like, KT is really the person that mm-hmm. is looking out for everybody in the organization. He's one of the, one of the people that makes the organization tick, you know, on the low. He, he, uh, he, he just, yeah, he, he makes the organization tick and people don't give him enough credit. Uh, well, that was very good. <laughs> good, stuff, good stuff. But, but the, the other thing, how is, and one of the things that Kevin was talking about earlier is, what it means to you and the team and the young players to be involved in this kind of this kind of atmosphere where every single game matters, every every quarter matters, everything matters, where you're not running out the clock. And what what does that do for you? What does it do to the spirit of the team, the competitive spirit? Just that everything matters now. Yeah, I mean, it, the fact that everything matters is it, it like. Uh... You know, you have to be cognizant at all times. You know, you have to be completely aware. You got to be present at all times, and that's that's the biggest part of our games that matter. When games don't matter, you can check out. When you're on the bench, you can check out. If you don't got the ball, you can check out. But games that matter, like you said, everything matters. You know, so you got to be present. You got to work with the, the flow of the game. You got to be aware of body language. You got to be aware of uh, all, all, all the negativity and, and just work on all positivity. Everybody pushing towards that win. Wow. Well, Aaron, uh, we want to thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. I know, uh, you know, the season is it's it's pretty much a marathon now. You know, 20-hour days, 21-hour days of travel, film study, practice, the games and everything. Thank you for joining us. And, and your insight is always, always paramount and, and so advanced, uh, far beyond your years of only 23 years old. Thank you so much for joining 23 us. 23 years old. Golly, really? <laughs> I know you got a lot in the tank, fellas. I no kidding. We, we can, we can <laughs> tell. We can tell. <laughs> I've been here about me for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm here. Every time you need to call me, I'm, I'm honored to come and talk with you. Okay, oh, we'll, we'll, okay, you, we'll, re- we'll remember that. Yeah. <laughs> we're, looking for the, we're looking for those triple-double numbers. That's right. That's right. Hey, man, this, this, hey, best of luck, man. You guys were great, man. Between you, between you and Kevin, man, you were like the interviews of the year. Like, <laughs> it, it, insightful. Because like <laughs> yeah. Orlando Magic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's I, had to, I had to sing that. You know, I felt like that.
like that because they're the best interviews. So I had to I had to bring that chat out. Is that is that a real song? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Aaron, right? Right, Aaron, it that's is, right? Really? That's the real song. Oh, that's right. Where, <laughs> where? Where do you where? Early nineties. Early nineties magic. Yep. Shaq oh. Shaq and three yeah. D sang it like on, on TNT a few I must I must tell you though. I thought that was Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> do you go to have you go, do you go to Disney World? Oh, yeah, it's every every once in a while, I'll step out of Disney World, ride some rides. Okay. Or like Halloween horror, Halloween horror nights is fun too. Okay, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm going to do them. And we have, you know, I work for ESD, being the undefeated, we get like our Disney card. Uh oh. So I'm like, you know, I haven't I haven't been to Disney World since we took my daughter there once. And we want to, do they still have the uh, the magic ride? What's it called? They the got sp- everything over there. Space Mountain you don't ride? Wanna, you don't want to go over there, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not. All right, hey man, let, hey, 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 hey man, thank you so much. Good luck to, good luck tomorrow. You know, but demoralizing the Knicks. But uh, you know, we're we're really wishing you guys the best of luck. Man, it's really exciting Definitely. to see what you guys are doing. Really, very exciting. So uh, keep it up, pedal to the metal, and just win, baby. Just win, baby. Just win, just win. Yes, sir. All right, thank you guys. Thank, thank you, you so Aaron. much. Thank you so much. There you have it, guys. That was great. Uh, that was uh, the great Aaron Gordon leading the resurgent. Orlando Magic, uh, and uh, between Aaron and, and Kevin Tiller the second, it's been a great, great evening of interviews. So Kevin's still here. Thank you very much, Kevin. Before we close out the show, we can't close out the show without talking about the Academy Awards. There was really a serious black presence. You know, our, our erstwhile producer, Aaron Matthewson, reminded us, we can't close the show without talking about a historic Academy Awards thing. Historic. We had a whole lot of black folks. So... Um, Oscar's so black. Hashtag Oscar's so black, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, so Aaron, let's, let's, let's talk about this. This was a historic evening at the Oscars, right? It was. It's funny that Jamal mentioned Oscar's so black. Just four years ago, April Rain uh, started Oscar's so white because everyone um, who was nominated for an award in 2015 was white. And that was the same year that Straight Outta Compton came out. So people were like, really? <laughs> and so since then, uh, the president of the Academy said, uh, they they promised to double the number of minorities and women in the academy, people who vote for the movies by 2020, and I think that is working. Um, so you know we had a record number of people of color winning awards this year. Uh, notably, Mahershala Ali got Best Supporting Actor Regina, uh, for his role in Green Book. Um, Regina King got Best Supporting Actress for If Girls She Could Talk. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, both those. Yes, yes, indeed. I have seen nothing. Nothing. Why? <laughs> Because you have a baby. I wasn't inspired this year to see movies. I don't know. Well, I don't know. But you saw everything, right? Yeah. I saw everything except for Roma and Vice. Mm. Oh, I saw Vice. I actually saw Vice last week. Was it good? Actually, oh yes, yeah, tremendous. It was deep story. Deep story. Uh, the the tip the rags the richest story, but you know. Having to get there by any means necessary. I shouldn't use that phrase, but yeah, pretty much. He he had a major. The film talks about how he made major alcoholic, major alcohol problem, and, and got kicked out of Yale and everything. Mm-hmm. And and his wife gave him an ultimatum to get his life together, and he was kind of like on that. That tip, you know, so yeah. then he became Dick Cheney. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if it was a happy ending. <laughs> but, Aaron, but Aaron, you were you were saying because I was asking you about this about you weren't crazy about like Green Book. You didn't really think Black Panther was, you know, all that, right? 
Wait. Before, it was good for what it was. Before black people come after me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I got your back. But I got your back. This is an undisclosed location. We didn't tell where we, where we were recording. You saw, but, but you know, now Kevin's still here from the last time. You watched Black Panther, right? Okay. He's nodding his head yes. <laughs> okay, so let's start with Green Book because that's easier. Yeah. Um, Green Book tells the story of Don Shirley, famous pianist um, who traveled. I love Don Shirley. Yes, um, mm-hmm. who traveled from York to the South um, on a tour and had a, and hired a, a white driver um, who was played by Viggo Mortensen. Don Shirley was played by Mahershala Ali. The you know the movie was pleasant. I think that's the best way to describe it. It was also incredibly problematic because of the production. Um, it was t- it was produced by the son of the real person who played the driver, and apparently the son had actually asked Don Shirley if he could make a movie about him. Don Shirley apparently said no, and they went and made this movie anyway. Mm. And you can kind of tell uh, that that um, Shirley's family was not consulted because mm. you have a lot about um, Viggo Mortensen's character. His um, but we didn't know really about Don Shirley. We don't really find yeah. out yet. Well, and then his and so Ooh. then his brother after the movie comes out is furious, and he sh- he he says there's a lot about the movie that is mm. wrong. Yeah, so mm. that's that. Boo. But on the bright side, Mahershala Ali did apologize to Don Shirley's family, and he said if he had known that there were people, he would have talked to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm. besides that, I mean, I just think in you know of all the movies that were um, up for Best Picture, there was The Favorite, which was my favorite, mm. um, Black Panther, uh, Vice, Roma, Black Klansman, Black Klansman, as well. mm-hmm. Oh, Stars Born, and A Stars Born, and Bohemia's Rhapsody. Yes, mm-hmm. which I loved. By the way, are we counting Rami Malek as an Oscar so black? Yeah. He's Egyptian. Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, that's Africa. Africa. Some people are it's not. Motherland. Come on, Come on Aaron. <laughs> this is a debate. Egypt. <laughs> Egypt. What does he say? What does he call himself? Uh, he's Egyptian. Egyptian. So I don't know the... Some people come out and say I'm black, and I don't think he has. He doesn't look... And he was cast, casted perfectly as Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Perfectly. He has to say he's African, Sandy. though. Mm-hmm. He is African. He's African, yes. right? I don't care what he you says. Can't he's deny that. Not that he's denying anything. I don't know anything. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just sharing the debate that was happening. And what do you, what, what, what do you think of? I know what you thought. I'm asking. What do you, what do you, <laughs> what do you think of Black Klansman? I mean, in terms, yeah. Black um, I thought it was okay. I think, what? Yeah. Black Klansman, really? It's okay. Oh, don't wow. let them don't let them back yeah. you up. Like you said, okay. <laughs> I think um, J.D. Washington, Denzel's son, uh, tremendous, he's corny. He's so corny. In that movie, I'm sure he's a great actor. I wish him the best. Um, <laughs> oh, he's a tremendous actor. In Ballers, he's the he I steals the show. Ballers. He we'll steals the show. Ballers. He's the best actor on that on yeah. that show. I mean, uh, the best part of the movie for me was having someone talk about Nazis at the end. Mm-hmm. Spoiler: mm-hmm. If anybody hasn't seen yeah. it, I haven't seen but, it. but I mean, so, but, but I'm sorry, Jamal. <laughs> well, he's not gonna see it anyway. Right? No, I'll watch that. I gotta watch you a couple watch. of these movies. But but uh, what I mean, but but it was a it was a strong for for black women particularly, right? Black women really were triumphant. Yes. Regina King got Best Supporting Actress. Um, who else? Oh, Ruth Carter, Hampton Grass. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, got, you got to get uh, on the show. Yeah, we do. She got, let me just make sure I have it correct. Um, oh, Costume Design. Best Costume Design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Hannah Beachler got Best Production Design. So it's like more black people on and off the camera, which is really important. Right. And I'm mad Terrence Blanchard didn't win um, mm. Best Score for mm. Black Klansman. You know, Terrence Blanchard has scored Spike Lee's films for the past 30 years. Great trumpet player, mm. composer, uh, one, of, one of the great jazz, living jazz greats. And uh, <sighs> that it's it's tough not that he didn't win, but it's it's fine. You know, Ludwig, Ludwig Gustafsson, who actually, it was it's just very weird. He scored Black Panther 
but the rest of the film was all black but him. And and mm. I, at first I was like, what is this? Why is he scoring this film? But Ryan Coogler and him went to USC together. Mm. And they and they, they worked think? together for 12 years. So that's loyalty. I give Coogler yeah. credit yeah. for being loyal. What did you loyal, think of the score? Yeah. It was it was not like um, Black Klansman, or but really my favorite score was uh, if Beale Street could talk. Nicholas Patel, mm. I was very impressed. Have you done music, have you, you know? have you done have you done any mu- uh, any scores for music for I ha- movies? I have for short films for short films uh, for friends at NYU that I worked with, and also but I did a I did a full length feature uh, called um, The Rhythm and Blue, where I did the score for the entire film. So mm. yeah, which See, people don't, people don't realize they listen to Bill Roller, but in the bottom of the house is like. Real deal. Yeah. But enough of that. We want to get plug the album quickly. Quickly. Oh, eclectic excursions out on all digital digital musical platforms. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. But but uh, back to the back to the uh, back to uh, to uh, movies. Um, But but do you feel? I, I guess all this speaks about is is protest and pushing. In other words, if people beginning with Spike didn't push and protest, we wouldn't be here. And I know that. You know, particularly a lot of young, you know, our young brothers and sisters who are growing up in these integrated schools, you know, a lot of times they don't want to push. They just want to blend in. But the reality is that if you don't push and protest, we even talked about this, Kevin, with even young athletes who got this visibility in the NBA. And, Kevin, if you do not push and protest, it's not going to happen. I mean, it just is not going to happen. The reason why I think we had this celebration today, you can take care of if you agree, is that people raise hell. Mm-hmm. It was uncomfortable, but people raise hell. And I think it's important to note that Oscars So Black or Oscars So White was not just about getting more black people specifically in, you know, into films or behind the scenes. It was about people from marginalized communities. Exactly. So April Rain came out today um, in Essence, or no, Vanity Fair, and she was saying we still have a long way to go. Like there's very few LGBT actors in, um, no Asians were nominated. Um, yeah, cra- crazy, crazy rich cra- Asians. Cra- yeah. You yeah. thought that would be best picture nomination, you know? You would I think. Don't. Oh, right. oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but, uh, no, yeah, with the buzz. Yeah. Because, yeah. because why? Because it's just. Um, I mean, it was. A, it, it confirmed was, a lot. I, mean, yeah. I think you can have an, a very enjoyable film, but not have it be Oscar worthy. I think I I love rom coms. It was great. It was set in Singapore. They had Asian music. I think predominantly Asian cast. I'm so here for that. Was it better than the favorite? No. Mm. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, mm. right. Which is also how I felt about Black Panther. I mean, I amazing. agree. I agree. I'm amazing. Like, the right. movement behind it is so amazing. This it was all about Afrofuturism, seeing Black people in the future, being smart. Uh, I'm so here for it. Mm. And it was interesting. Remember, they were talking about doing a category um, of yes. of films like of mainstream films, yeah. like the best mainstream film. Interesting. They were supposed to do it this year, but they didn't because. If Black Panther was put in that category but not put in Best Picture, right. then isn't black. that interesting? Yeah. That's, and, and Crazy mm-hmm. Rich Asians, I think, would have done. Exactly. I just want to highlight, there were some really great Asian films out this year, if you didn't see them, Burning. Um, and also mm-hmm. there's one, another one. Oh, my gosh. I'm, but it's about um, a Japanese family. Oh, so from Japan. Yeah, it was nominated for Best Foreign yeah, Film, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. And they, look it's up about the name. poverty in Japan. And I feel like there was some mm. really good stuff. But I feel like if really the only way to get an Oscar... And you're, and if you're Asian, it's got to be through foreign film, which is messed up. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I had a question. I know we had, um, and this is more for Kevin, who's hung around. Um, what, you know, you you spend, you guys spend a lot of time on the road, uh, basketball. Do they watch a lot of film? I mean, you you know, I mean, there's a lot of time traveling. Do, do, do the guys watch a lot of a lot of film? 
lot of the movies. Yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They watched a lot of movies. Not not a game film like you know the Magic versus the Knicks, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do they watch a lot of film? You know? Yeah, a lot of movies, but they're, they're more video gamers. You know, 2K, uh, Fortnite, Madden. Um, so they're more into that than, than movies. But they're watching Netflix for sure. Like the Bird, was it Bird Bird Box? Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they, they love that. Sandra yeah. Bullock. Yeah, they love that. Oh, Netflix, okay. yeah. All right. Just wanna... Aaron, thank you so much for... for <laughs> no, no, really, you, you add so much when you make these rare appearances. But it, I, I think all in all, like, it's very... I think it's a trumpet, a trumpet day of the movies, and I guess we're going in the right direction, you know. Uh, and that kind of happens in our in black culture. I mean, thirty years from now, thirty years ago, we weren't even at this point. We we're just trying to get, you know, yeah. get over black export. You know, mm-hmm. so so that's the history of our movement. Is that right. like thirty years from now, man? It may be people may be complaining that all there were were like black actors winning. Emmys or, or Oscar. And that was the renaissance. Spike Lee started that renaissance. You had right. Matty Rich, John Singleton, the Hughes brothers that right. came out of that. And Spike should have won 29 years ago for that script for Do the Right Thing. Oh, no question. That should have been even been, that should have been a Best Picture nomination. Right. You know, right. at least. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy won instead. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Right. That, did, that didn't right. age that well. Screenplay, right. Oh, right. my God. And Spike, it actually felt like Spike, uh, you know, he, he was kind of uh, portraying that. Like, you know, he had the love-hate Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff he, he had right. he had the Jordans on, so he was kind of bringing. It was almost like he he was actually accepting it for, you know, do the right thing. Like he even said do the right thing in his in his acceptance <laughs> That's speech. That's right. Mm-hmm. So he twenty twenty he, he knows, <laughs> and he's and he finally got an Oscar. Right. Which is right. huge. I mean, that's Spike. Well, Lee. wait a minute. He had an honorary Oscar from before. Okay. But, okay. Yeah, so this is his second yeah. his right. second Oscar. I'm I'm kicking myself because I have to get Bill off this, but um. Billy Porter, star of Pose, um, the uh, the FX um, TV show about 1980s ball culture in New York, wore a dress, a gown mm. to um, like a tuxedo, <laughs> a tuxedo gown. <laughs> he looked so good, but it's mm. you know there, he's gotten a lot of love. But then there are some people who are like, "What was that?" <laughs> what do y'all think about that? Uh, I'm not mad at him. I'm here for yeah. it. I think you. Yeah, creativity, yeah. creativity. You know, and he's you know securing himself yeah. and everything. Yeah, I don't think I, I could rock that, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't <laughs> I ain't mad. I mean, Dennis Rodman was doing stuff right. 25 years earlier. So, you know. Hey, well, listen, um, Rob, you should always listen to Bill Roden on sports. Definitely. Uh, and, and listen again next week. Listen, this has been great. Aaron, you're, you're the best. Thank you so much. Aaron Matthewson. Of course, Kevin Tiller, the second. Thank you so much. Um, we had uh, Aaron Gordon. Thank you so much. And Nabate, thank you for tracking thank him you. down and putting him on the show. And as usual, you know, uh, Jamal Murphy, the great Jamal Murphy. Thanks for holding it down. Thank you, thank you. And we'll wait, you know, we'll look for next week to another version Bill Roden. of Bill Roden. Yes, a, a, another version of Bill Roden on sports. Uh, thanks, everybody. God bless, and we will see you next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.